0: everybody. Welcome to Draft Chat. This is episode number 148. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude?
1: Not too much. I am very excited for this live draft. Maybe the most excited i have been for any live draft. These packs are so fun to open and I, I, I have, I'm a, I'm a fan of buying singles, you know, when possible, but I hate to admit it. These packs are very fun to crack.
0: Oh, they really are. I mean, this is the total opposite of what we had in one, (laughs) to be honest, especially from a perspective, like so much going on here. Um, So we do have our live draft this week. Uh, Before we jump into that, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the discord, check that out. The best place to be to chat with us, chat with the aficionado community, Uh, drop your trophy decks, throw in your what's the picks. We'll be in there trying to help folks out with uh their pick decisions and i just fixed the scoreboarder we had some issues with the scoreboarder they stealth updated uh some of the slash commands there but it got that fixed so you can go add your trophy decks to the scoreboard and we can keep track of who's doing really well in the discord there the link to that is in the description as well as on our twitter page (laughs) i'm sure you will And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash DraftChaffPod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to join the Patreon, perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our DraftChaff Hero cards signed by us and sent right to you in the mail. Again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash DraftChaffPod. All right, we're going to skip our crack draft type thing as per usual with these live drafts and jump right into our Teferi Tibble. This is a Roses and Thorns style of segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, kick us off. What's going on?
1: I think both of our Tibble's, or both of our Teferi's rather, is going to be this pre-release weekend. I mean, this was such a fun pre-release. The, the vibe in the room was so just uplifting, so much different after coming off of uh, uh, All Will Be One. I mean, yeah, all be one. It had its moments for sure. We, we said it was a mid-set, and that's okay. But this set, this was a surprise. This was a delight, you know. Just getting the open packs and people cracking like multiple Praters, and sometimes not even ones from the set, ones from this Legends sheet. That really is making this for a fun experience. Uh, honestly, just very fun packs to open, especially with all the cool alternate arts and like special printings and. Uh, I, I mean, I remember a time a while back, probably like late, you know, like 2018 or so. I, I think it was a conversation I was having with you in, in a local game store where we said, you know, what? I, I wish uh, Magic cards looked more like all these fun Pokemon or or Flesh and Blood. Well, Flesh and Blood wasn't around then, but what was it then? It was Force of Will, I think, was Force taken of off. Will, yeah. Yeah. We, we were saying like, man, I wish Magic had more special printings, more things that that looked cool like this. Uh, they did it, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels great. I mean, it, it also just this this type of set, right? I mean, it, it feels kind of shenanigans-y when you look at it at face value, but this whole like multiverse thing where you're just like, oh, cool. open to Thalia, cool. open this like random legend with, with two of my favorite legends smacked together. Like, you know, mm-hmm. th- those types of things make for a really fun experience. And then, I mean, it, from pre-release perspective, right? Sealed was just a ton of fun. Deck building in oh, this yeah. format with Sealed is so much fun. There's just so much going on.
1: Mm -hmm. honestly deck building in this set was a challenge and i gotta say this is a big vector theory set because if you're having trouble building a deck in the set or that goes for drafting too because there are so many vectors it's best to apply vector theory find your vector find your lane and hone in on that and i think honestly that's going to lead to a better experience but then again I haven't even drafted this set yet, so what am I talking about? Who knows how it's going to play out? Maybe you just draft all the the sick bombs. But but back to what you're saying about pre-release, um, it's kind of a payoff for being invested in the game for so long, right? Like we love Innistrad, and and seeing like a Thalia that just randomly show up in your pack is fun. Or the companions. The set is companions, dude. Like I I loved companions the first time around, even the busted ones, and uh, just having a companion. In your limited pool, gives you this option to play a hyper unique vector, right? Like that—that that is by definition a vector contained entirely within one card. If you can follow this vector, you get a huge payoff, a huge uh, like vector strength boost in your deck. So, uh, honestly, I cannot wait to crack these packs. Tibble, I barely have one. It's—it's it's been a pretty good week at school. Had an observation with a uh, an, a very interesting class of mine. Uh, it's, it honestly went pretty well. Uh, that, that was supposed to be a tibble, but I guess it's more like it's a fairy. I don't know. I'm I'm in a good mood for this pack. All right, back yeah. over to you. What's up?
0: So for me, uh, I mean, yeah, you kind of got my same stuff with with pre-release. Uh, my deck was gas. I, I originally looked at my pool and thought like, ooh, I'm not really sure what I should be building here. And then I realized all of my rares were in the same two colors. So I just made a deck out of those <laughs> and it worked really well. Did, yeah, it was really fun. One thing I'm noticing with this format is that all the rares feel really good. Like there aren't too many dud rares it seems. And so that kind of makes the sealed experience really fun. Hopefully that makes the draft experience really fun from not only the drafting portion, but also the gameplay because I think, um, you know, when we've seen really, really powerful rares in the past, something like dream trawler, you kind of just like groan and, and, you know, move on with your life, I guess. In this format, when every, if if it's the case that every rare is just really powerful and feels really good to play, then it should lead to a lot of really fun games, I'm hoping. So, um, looking forward to that. Very excited for the format. My Tybalt, I sort of alluded to already, was the scoreboarder has been driving me crazy and I've been trying to figure out why that wasn't working for folks in the Discord. I did manage to get that fixed, so that's, that's good. One Tybalt that I wanted to throw in here, because it's a funny story, uh, actually happened last week and, uh, I forgot to mention it in my table last week. So I just wanted to throw it in here. Cause I thought it was funny. The f- Friday of last week, I was having a great day. I hung out with some friends, did like a good Friday church service thing, and then hung out with some friends afterwards. And I wasn't out late. I, w- I think I got home at like eight 30 or something. So I, I was just, you know, just hung out with some friends afterwards and, and got some dinner and stuff. And I came back and I was feeling great. Like I was just, I was so excited for the weekend. It was just a great day. I was feeling really, really good. And I walk into my apartment building, walk through the lobby, open the elevator, step into the elevator. And as I step into the elevator, my hand bumps my leg. My keys fall out of my hand and through a (laughs) quarter inch gap in the elevator shaft and just down the elevator shaft. Jeez. And I just kind of like threw my hands up and I was like, well, (laughs) <laughs> Guess this is the weekend we're having because uh you know i was just having an amazing day really excited for the rest of the weekend and this happens. so um it was a little bit of a bummer didn't really get me down too much though i was able to get somebody to come out and make me new keys luckily my car oh, keys so you never got that them back ring. no they're still sitting there at the bottom of the elevator shaft and you can actually see them from the first floor like if you oh, shine no. a light down the thing you can just see them sitting there um Luckily my, key, my car keys weren't on that key ring. It was just my apartment key huh. and like the fob to get me in the building. But I can also use an app for my phone to get in the building. So I don't really need the fob. So I just needed new keys made for my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what that's going to cost me, but uh, I got it done. So, you know, I'm not stuck out of my apartment forever, but uh, Jeez. yeah, we'll, we'll see if I ever get those original keys back.
1: Well, you know, it serves you right for having a good weekend. <laughs>
0: I guess so, man. I guess so. (laughs) All right. On to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Nathan in the Discord. And Nathan asks, well, kind of a few questions, but all kind of the same question at the same time. So the question is, what are the ways that you play Magic throughout the year? When do you play on Arena? When do you play Magic Online? When do you play in person?
1: That's a great question. Um, I I think in recent years, I've been playing mostly on Arena. And I will say, I've been trying to get out to a lot of the big Arena events. The opens, I make time for uh, and the qualifier and qualifier weekends I make time for it's uh, really jam those honestly, especially as quote unquote content creators, uh, regardless of the quality of such content. Uh, it's just so convenient. Right. And the fact that we are getting what's a very similar experience to drafting in person, uh, just at literally the touch of our fingers. I've done a couple of drafts on my phone recently, and it, it's it's pretty good. Although I will say one downside is that I don't have my deck tracker on my phone. So sometimes I'll. I'll <laughs> If I've drawn like seven lands in a row, I'll be like, hmm, what, what percentage of lands are still left in my deck? And I'll go check my tracker. Uh, so I can't tilt off as effectively when I'm on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anywho, I will say I've been trying to make it out to more F&Ms, especially living near such great local game stores. Um, I would say I play on Magic Online when uh, good sets are there, particularly Vintage Cube. And if there's a certain constructed deck that I really wanted to test... Maybe if I really wanted to test like a modern deck, I might try to build it, but then I have to deal with the card trading and that's a whole thing. You know, like I have infinite wild cards on Arena thanks to all the drafts that I've done in person. I'll, I'll say whenever I can, you know, I, always at pre-releases. Uh, usually if there's like an RCQ, we'll try to go out to that. Uh, and then just whenever I get time for a nice FNM, uh, I like to head out to those. But I think Magic uh, Arena sees most of my play then in person. And then Magic Online spikes throughout the year. Usually the holiday cube is when I I really boot up Magic Online and come back to it. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think similar ranking for me. Definitely arenas where I play the most. Um I, these days I pretty much only play in person for pre-releases. Um which is a little sad because I really miss playing commander to be honest with you and I haven't I haven't touched my commander decks. In fact, I've decommissioned a bunch of them, started taking a handful of them apart to either make new ones or um just kind of eliminate extra cards that <laughs> like, like get mm-hmm. rid of cards and and kind of cash those in because I'm not using them. Um definitely want to try to play more uh more commander and I I'm, I'm working on an Oathbreaker deck too so I would love to get oh, yeah. Oathbreaker in. Um but I don't have a ton of people around me physically to play, so that's that's part of the problem. Um and you know as as we get older, I think life just gets busier, so uh, playing in person has been tough, but I, I almost never play Magic Online. I think I may fire up. Usually when they do, uh, as Ben was mentioning, the, the like holiday cube, they'll give everybody a free entry, and I mm. will occasionally fire up for that, but that's usually the extent of my Magic Online play. All right, let's jump into our live draft. We are ready to dig into our very first draft of March of the Machine. Ben and I have not done any of these. I did watch a couple of drafts this time around. This This is relatively unusual for our live drafts. We typically go into it completely blind, but I did watch a couple of them. I was just too excited about the set and wanted to see how the draft experience looks. So that's kind of it. We are looking to draft probably one of the 10 vectors we talked about in the format breakdown. If you haven't caught the format breakdown video, definitely go check that out or, or rather the, the podcast episode, definitely go check that out. It is going to be a good primer for the set. If you haven't, if you haven't already heard about that, so check that out. But, um, We do have some other random unique vectors in the set because of the introduction of these multiverse legend cards. Some of some of them just point you in a certain direction if you're really going to try to take advantage of them. And so we'll see what we open. We'll see where we end up. And um, this should be fun. Ben, we are doing traditional draft. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we are. I think given that it's even a, a bomb heavy format, maybe we've seen a lot of these bombs so far. Uh, Playing best of three helps you leverage your bombs and reduces the tilt from the games where your opponent draws theirs and you don't draw yours. Just by law of large numbers, when you play more games against the same person, like it kind of feels like a more balanced interaction. You get to uh, weigh your sideboard into and, you know, especially trying to focus on in-person play competitively. I do like having a sideboard. I'll rank up some of the time.
0: Yeah, one other thing to mention too with the with the whole um, bringing your sideboard thing in, there are a lot of cards in this format that are color specific. So like they do a certain thing and then they do something else if you're targeting a, a card of a certain color. And so hmm. those are great cards to bring in, in, in the sideboard and are largely undraftable usually in-, in uh, best of one so
1: yeah i mean i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to make a deck that can top my pre-release deck i had invasion of tarkir the uh, two-mana battle that flips into that awesome four four dragon i had borborygmos and fibblethip but the absolute highlight of my deck was jinn Gitaxias. i actually kept a hand that was six lands and a jinn Gitaxias in the finals uh, against an opponent whose deck in in the previous game i saw was slow they were playing like bant mid-range with a lot of uh, like slow token stuff, making a bunch of incubators. So I was thinking, well, part of it, is, it's it's going to flip and return a bunch of their stuff to their hand, right? So I figured if there's one way to get seven cards in hand, it's to keep a six lander. Uh, and upon keeping that six lander, I immediately ripped two lands off the top. So I was like, all right, well, this better work. Now, here's the best part. Uh, I did get to activate Jin. I drew seven straight lands off the top of my library with the first activation. I was I was so shocked. I showed my opponent. <laughs> I mean, it was pre-release. Like, you got to show them that, right? Thankfully, doing that did buy me time to do it all again. Uh, so I, I just ended up flipping Jin again. And if you didn't see the board state that I had after that second flip, go check it out in the Discord. Uh, I, I basically drew all my gas and was able to cast it. Uh, another highlight of my deck was Invasion of Fiora, the six mana double black pit board wipe. That can destroy either all legends or all non-legends i believe i cast it in all three modes across the uh, the tournament whether it was just legends just non-legends or both uh, i did have a board state where i was able to not kill my borborygmos and fibblethip while casting it and again you must be thinking i had a wacky mana base i did all right coming out we got a mythic we got zamone and dina black green blue three, four. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. You can tap, sack him with a creature, draw a card. Then you can put a land from your hand on the battlefield tapped. And if you control eight or more lands, repeat this process once. This seems like a cool, sultai, grindy type card. And this seems like the format for it. I'm kind of into just slam Zimone and Dina. Also in the pack, we've got Invasion of Rim, the format of one that draws three discards. This doesn't help add to your board to help flip it, though. We got an Herbology in Starter. Uh, one of the green one three etv gain three it flips to basically ravenous chupacabra something i mean that's obviously really great there's also a marshal of zalfir but that's kind of early to commit to that a jury master the review is our uh what is it multiverse legend card and we've also got an elvish vat keeper a good common here in volcanic spite Mm, now i'm thinking we slam the mythic right
0: I mean, I guess I, it, it hurts me to take a three-color card on, on pack one, pick one, but it is a mythic. It is the first draft of the format. I guess, why not? I would not like yeah, to marry I'm... that, though. <laughs> Ooh. So, okay, this is kind of sad. We just opened a Herobi Death's Whale, and I don't know if you realize this, but Herobi and the Marshal of
1: Zalfir go so well together. Oh, wow. You, so, Herobi of Death's Whale, I've never seen this card before. Two black, black, four, four, flying. It's a spirit. Whenever a creature becomes the target of a spell or ability... Destroy that creature. Wait a minute. So okay, okay. Zimona Dina, you sacrifice the creature as part of the activation cost. So that wouldn't just fizzle our, our ability. That's good. Uh I'm kind of in for Herobi here. I mean it's a format of four four flyer with upside. Although it, this this does shut off your own pump spells and activate it. this is really cool, dude. I, I think we gotta try to take this.
0: Well, what else do we have in the pack here? Storm the sea. There is a pretty solid.
1: Storm yes, the Seed Core, two cards in blue-red, Joyful Storm Sculptor and Invasion of Kaladesh. Uh, some green cards that we could hope to wheel. I was impressed by War Historian over the weekend, a Ferdinand's Favor. Maybe try to pick one of those up for the splash. Very Thespian's fine. I kind of want to take the rare here. Let, let's get a hang on uh, on the format. Now I'd love to be like a green-black base deck. Here we have an Invasion of Amonkhet. Uh That's the three mana, four defense. Each player mills three, then each opponent discards a card and you draw a card. We have a Complete the Circuit. That's the uh, big Convoke Sorcery thing. I don't think we're doing that. There's a Frexian Awakening, Incubate 4. There's also... Oh, there's a Blight Reaper Thalad here, dude. This card really performed well in my deck over the weekend.
0: Oh yeah, solid 2-drop for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're taking another black card. Uh, there is a and Avenged. This says destroy target creature that was dealt damage this turn. It was actually... <laughs> this is a non-bo with Harovi Death whale uh, it, it would fizzle just targeting would fizzle the mirrored and avenge and you wouldn't get to draw the card uh yeah i think i want to slam this uh this blight reaper thalad i mean i just found that in this format getting to play this early uh and then activate it when you get the chance really nice Ooh, looks like black is still pretty open we got past the yargle i don't know if we're i don't know if we're going quite that deep yet Ooh, there's an invasion of moog uh, the two green white five defense put a one woman counter on each creature you control very strong effect but there's also a merciless repurposing for black, black exile target creature incubate three. We're also going to be looking to pick up some fixing, particularly adjacent to black and green. I don't know, dude. Invasion of Moog is really strong. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't go with pretty much anything we've drafted so far. Um, So that is something to consider. There are a couple of other white cards in the pack. Merciless repurposing is obviously a good, good black card to have in any black deck, really. Um, but with a knight of new coalition, there's also the, the, the Dune Shaper or Dune yeah, Dune Shaper in this pack, uh which is both solid white cards. Um yeah, I mean black does kind of look like it's drying up though. Like we have just the repurposing and yargle in that pack, so it's something to keep an eye out on. Oh, and we just got past the deadly derision, so never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does look like the Obs on colors are pretty open. Wow, a Phyrexian sensor, which as I realized uh <laughs> thanks to our, our conversation in Discord. Uh, it shuts off flipping battles if you've cast another non-Phyrexian, or if you've cast another non-Phyrexian spell, that term. Uh, there is, oh, there's a volt Hermit too. Wow, but I think we just got to go with the Deadly Derision. I mean, this is going to help with our splash. There's a Jungle Hollow in this pack we'd love to pick up. I mean, it looks like red and white are drying up a little bit maybe, but I, I think we got to slam this Derision, just take some good black interaction. And then maybe you try to wheel something like, uh, I don't know, maybe this vold Hermit or this Jungle Hollow. Jungle Hollow does look perfect for our deck because I'd love to get that Zamona and Dina in there. Also notable for them, we are going to want things we can sacrifice. I- I'm going to take this Deadly Derision, though.
0: Yeah, and I think we're, we shouldn't be sold on any of the, the rares we've taken just yet, but it does feel like black is where we're going to end up, at least for our main color.
1: Yeah, we just got some good black cards. We got past the Vanquish the Weak and a Nozumi Informant. Uh, Nizumi Informant, obviously very on vector with Zamona and Dina. Vanquish the Week, uh, pretty great too, although it is a conditional kill spell. Uh we are seeing a lot more stuff coming around. There's a Furia Judge of Valor. There's a Lithomantic Barrage, that's the blue and white hoser spell. Uh and a, an Icker Shade and a War Historian in, in kind of the Grix, or not It's in like the Sultai colors as well. Um between the informant and the Vanquish the week, I'm kind of leaning towards the informant. What do you think? I think I'd
0: take the removal spell here just to have it. Um even though Hirobi kind of turns interaction into a removal i think i'd take the removal spell and then just uh hope to find another informant later
1: yeah that's true i found a couple times over the weekend i was able to vanquish the week a creature as my opponent activated to flip it really good value wow we got past a tangled skyline this dude this is thrag tusk
0: <laughs> yeah it's a much better card than i gave it credit for in in uh early looks at the set so Definitely a good one. Um, stabilizes pretty well. This is one of those, like it feels like it's a do nothing enchantment, but gaining five is actually pretty relevant in a slower format
1: mm-hmm. like this too. So plus giving all of your Phyrexians reach means if you have any other Phyrexians available, you're probably not dying. I mean, this is a perfect stabilizer uh, and we would look to pick up some, maybe some incubate small type things uh, to ooh, hold on. Yeah, we took it. Well, we got past invasion of Eldraine. This is the three and a black ETV opponent discards two cards Flicks into prickle or flips into prickle fairies, tutu flying. Ah, no, this doesn't look great. Uh, there's a scoured barons. We don't have any white things going on. Ooh, there's a wildwood escort and a dreg recycler. I mean, we're still seeing stuff in our colors, but this is just a little worse.
0: Yeah, I don't hate either the escort or the drag recycler here. I I think either are just fine. Uh, the drag recycler goes well with the, the Zamon and Dina, right? Because it's another sacrifice card. Um, mm-hmm. We would just look to pick up more things that would, be like, would like to be sacrificed, but we did take the Wildwood Escort there.
1: Yeah, this seems like a nice slow grindy deck, and we have two really solid creatures to get back in Zamon and Dina and Hirobi. We're pretty solidly in black here and starting to pick up some green cards. Uh, I'm liking this Portent Tracker. We don't have any good uh, battles to go with it, but I mean, just as a as a like this format seems slow, and then getting to accelerate on mana is good. We did real jury master the review, so black red sack looking a little bit open and a corrupted conviction. But I don't think we have that much fodder that we're willing to sacrifice yet. Uh, let's go with the uh, portent tracker here. Coming back around, we've got a war historian, another mirrored and avenged, and an invasion of Kaladesh, which I have a feeling isn't going to be a very high pick in this set at all. I don't think that's much of a single. There's a temporal cleansing left. There's a thrashing frontliner left. Yeah, I think I'm liking the War Historian. Uh, just a, a good rate creature. We do have that Mirrod and Avenged, but I think we could pick one of those up if we wanted it. I'm down for just the three mana three three.
0: Yeah, also, as you mentioned, a bit of a non-bow with Hirobi. Um, again, I think I probably would have taken the jury and actually looked to be more of a, a red-black sack deck, especially hoping that this card that we just got past Unsealed and Acropolis, got passed to us. We did wheel that, so... Um, I would have liked Mm. to to kind of use that as maybe a signal to move into red-black here, but let's see where the rest of this draft ends up.
1: I will pick up that Unsealed on Necropolis. I mean, it just looks pretty solid by itself. Getting down to the dregs here. Uh, We've got a coming in hot, an Expedition Lookout, an Aerial Boost. I don't think any of these are making our deck, but I'll take the lookout in case we do end up playing Sultai. Oh, wow, we've wheeled the Jungle Hollow, dude. That is so good. I mean... The fact that not a single other person at this t- at this table wanted the black green, like a slow, grindy land, that's huge for us.
0: Yeah, and there wasn't a whole lot else in that pack in black green. So um definitely kind of looks like a signal to
1: to that those colors being open. We get a basically free Fury a Judge of Valor and a Burning Sun's Fury to end this pack. We open C double. That's the two blue, blue instant. This spell can't be countered, or can't be copied, rather. You choose one, and if your opponent has eight or more cards in a graveyard, choose both. You copy a spell and choose new targets, or create a token that's copy of target creature. Eh, I mean, it's not really on vector for us, is it?
0: No, it's not. And, and frankly, not a card that I think we would look to play, um, unless we were really heavy in blue. So, um, yeah, probably not where we want to be.
1: We've got a Nozumi freewheeler here, three mana three, or four mana, three, three menace, ETB each player mills three, and it flips into that thing that a four or five menace, put a, man, a permanent with mana value two or less from a graveyard onto the battlefield. I mean, that's, that's just a strong card in black, right? Yep, super solid. Uh, middle of the road, nothing, nothing
0: overwhelmingly crazy, nothing too, too bad either, um, and probably the best card in the pack
1: for us. Yep, nothing really exciting. I mean, we have a Zalphiran Lancer, an Invasion of Arcadia. We're not taking these cards. Oh, we got past the Kahira, the Orphan Guard. You think we can get it so that each creature in our deck is a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth asking. Uh, cards in green and black. Here we've got a Cosmic Hunger, which is a fantastic green removal spell. It's a bite that can hit battles. Uh, not a lot of black cards in this pack. We're only a pick in, so it looks like the pack just didn't crack very well for us. Uh, There's only a single black card in Traumatic revelation, so I think we're going to want to pick up a green card here. We've been cutting black pretty well uh, going the other direction. So, I mean, we might end up seeing... uh, Who knows what we're going to see in this pack coming around. I'm down to take this hunger. I think it's going to be better than Kahira because, look, we're not meeting that companion requirement, and it's not doing anything for us, even if we just put it in our deck regularly. Yeah, it's mostly going to be a vanilla 3-2 in our deck. There is a mutagen connoisseur, but we don't have nearly enough flip cards for this right now. Wow, so we do see in this next pack a copper host crusher. That's a pretty big one. Uh, there's also another merciless repurposing. I mean, with our, uh, with our tangled skyline, we are going to look to pick up some other phyrexians at some point. There's a blighted burgeoning, which does uh, kind of what we're looking for it, it ramps us and incubates. There is also a, a failed conversion the five mana minus four, minus four, surveil two. Another Marshal of Zalfir. If there's a blue-white Knights player at this table, they'll be pretty happy. I'm definitely between the this repurposing. This actually would have been a pretty
0: solid job, a uh, pretty solid spot for the blue-white Knights deck. Uh, I just don't know when we would have gotten into it exactly,
1: maybe taking that Zalfir early. but mm-hmm. I don't know if we've really been seeing enough blue. Like we've, we've had access to it with Dina and Zimone, but we haven't really just wanted it. Um, I don't know. There is also a Thornwood Falls in this pack. I wouldn't hate that.
0: Yeah, I think i be between that and the burgeoning for me, to be honest. I don't know that a second purposing is where we want to be without the ramp, but...
1: I have a feeling we'll get the ramp. We just got past Invasion of Lorwyn. Uh, I mean, I think this is just a slam, right? It's a black-green. Oh, yeah. It's on Vector. Uh, destroy target non-elf, which... Uh, nah, that's not going to be a problem for us. Ooh, another dismal backwater. Man, alright. So we could have one of each of the dual lands. I mean, the fact that Jungle Hollow came around makes me think no one else is doing big Sultai. And, you know, I'm not going to say that I went 3-0 with Big Sultai in pre-release, but I did go 3-0 with Big Sultai in pre-release. Yeah, I was also <laughs> splashing red, though. <laughs> so uh, I-, I think we're just going to slam the Invasion of Lorwyn. Definitely hoping to wheel this Dismal Backwater or maybe one of these other little green junkers. Wow, the spice continues to flow. We've got a Mirror Shield Hoplite, a Rada Coalition Warlord, and an Invasion of Moag. Uh Not a lot else for us in this pack. There is an unsealed Necropolis, Acropolis, but I don't think we want more than one of those. Oh, Meeting of the Minds! This card's fantastic. Uh, we would need to have a blue creature or something to convoke it or just have a few more blue lands. But, I mean, Meeting of the Minds is a fantastic card. I was very happy with it in this format.
0: Yeah, I don't see us really playing anything else in this pack, so it may be fine to just take. I mean, there's a War Historian, uh, which, which helps us in our three-drop slot, but... Uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's just the pick. To be honest, I, meeting of minds is a little weak at this point.
1: Yeah, I think so. We're not going super wide, making tokens. We want more early drops too. <laughs> wow, another tangled skyline. I mean, if we're going big, we're going big, right?
0: Yeah, I don't hate taking that here. We definitely need to shore up our early game a little bit. It feels like um, we're putting all our eggs in that that end game basket. But um, tangled skyline does a good job of restabilizing. So. I don't oh, it.
1: I'm very happy to put my eggs in that basket. I was uh, pretty impressed over the weekend with just getting the five, six mana and then starting the slam. Here we've got a Blighted Burgeoning. Nothing else really in the pack. There's an Invasion of Dominari, which is a pretty solid white card. Uh, there's also a Ramosian Greatsword. Looks like we're seeing the red and white flowing from the opposite direction. Kind of makes sense. Uh, we've got a Blighted Burgeoning, though. I think we just got to take it.
0: Yeah, it seems solid for this deck. Uh, it does also give us another Incubate card for those Tangled Skylines to just be that much better.
1: Mm-hmm. we've got pick eight here and i honestly don't see a single thing we want there's an expedition lookout a cut short a bola slinger these are all red and white aggro cards uh there's a kite sale i mean we are playing best of three maybe we play against some cheap flyers and we want to be able to equip our stuff or to break a board stall is there any reason we want tranquil cove over the kite sale probably not right i don't think so kite sales where i was where i was at as well
0: not a deck we not a card we main deck but uh definitely a card we may bring in
1: uh, I think it's time for your buddy, Etched Familiar. Uh, we've got, oh man, this Agar Freezing Flame in the pack still. A Sculpted Perfection, but we're not really close to those. Don't think we need the second Unsealed. I think just Etched Familiar looks like a solid little value play, right? Yep. Wow, Kahira the Orphan Guard came back. Crystal Caraphis came back as well, as did a Zalfir in Shapecraft. I think I'm just going to take the Kahira for the, oh, uh, well, I mean... Value-wise, I think I should take the Windscarred Crag because there's a chance we open some kind of great card in the in the next pack that we really need to splash. Maybe some uh, multicolored... I mean, would, would we play an Omnath in this deck? I don't know. I'll take the land just in case. So we wheel back to pick 11 here. There's a Temporal Cleansing, Moment of Truth. We're not playing any of these cards. Uh, I'll take the Daxos because it's pretty. Hmm. Crystal Carapace, not looking like we're getting those lands back like we wanted... Uh, I'll hate draft a Zada Hedron Grinder so we don't get comboed out with Twin. Rada Coalition Warlord. Not really for our deck, but I'll take it. Uh, an Urn of Godfire. Man, really was hoping to wield those lands. And we open Invasion of Caldheim. Ooh, this is a cool one, but it's pretty far into red. Oh, hold up. Dude, th- we opened a Karuga the Macro Sage. <laughs> Wait Where a minute. Wait. We are three cards away from meeting its companion requirement. Nobody loves Big Uh, sultime more than Karuga. Man, I I wish... There's no way we companion this, right? Probably not, but I still think it's a card that's viable for the deck. Oh, uh, it looks incredible in this deck, right? I mean, we've got basically everything costs three or more that we were just saying that. That's our problem. Uh, We have only a Portent Tracker, a Cosmic Hunger, and a Blight Reaper thou in our True Drop slot. I think we just slam this Karuga and maybe try to convince ourselves whether or not to <laughs> whether or not to actually play. I mean, maybe
0: we maybe may get there. Yeah.
1: So here's a question. We opened a uh, here in, in pick two. We got a Lutri the Spellchaser. We're pretty far away from cast and that looks pretty tough. We also got a Yargle and Multani. How good is the six mana 18 six? Should we find Probably out?
0: Probably not very. It's probably, it. no, I guess we are.
1: <laughs> you just like, you just like windmill slammed
0: it. Uh, in this pack. we are find it out. We actually do have quite a couple of interesting cards in this next pack. We've got a gift of completion and herbology instructor, which I'm a big fan of. And apparently we were okay.
1: and uh, uh All right. That was kind of an accident. Also, I didn't mean to actually yeah, click that.
0: Oh, well. There was also a, a one of the forest was in there, which I was thinking we might want, but mm-hmm. we ought to, we accidentally took the other one.
1: I'm just, I'm just having trouble with my mouse today. It's kind of sticky. Uh, we've got an Emoti Selbert and a Bounty passed to us. This card was fantastic for me over the weekend and sealed, but there's also a Thornwood Falls in this deck, and I think if we're looking to make Karuga easier to cast and play the Zemone and Dina, I'm down to just play the Thornwood Falls and maybe Emoti even wheels. It's good, but it is just a five mana cascade, and our stuff is fine. I think I just want to take the falls for fixing here. Yeah, seems fine. All right, ooh, there we go, we got past the Dismal Backwater, and honestly nothing else in the pack that we're interested in. Oh, sorry, we got an Invasion of Xerx and uh, Val Keeper of the Flame, Ramosian Greatsword. A lot of good red cards in this pack, but slamming the Dismal Backwater here, right? I mean, we're really just rounding out our fixing, but this deck looks really cool. We don't really have anything to do with our uh, Hirobi Deathswail, and it actually kind of non-bows with our removal spells, like Deadly Derision would make the thing get sacked before getting the treasure. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I actually don't love Herobi in this deck. It is just a 4 mana 4/4 flyer and it it basically requires your opponent kills it, but it doesn't actually it kind of turns off a lot of our deck as
1: well. Mhm. We're a little low on creatures. We have some like Tangled Skyline that that functionally act like creatures, but if we want some more early drops, how about an Aether Blade Agent? This one was fantastic over the weekend as well. There's also a Cosmic Hunger, uh, another one. What do Which we think? also Between not the
0: quite badly with Herobi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That would make ooh destroy your kills, own stuff. It
0: kills yeah, it kills both of them, yeah.
1: I'm gonna take the agent. Yeah, we're gonna try not to end up playing that one. Ooh, wow, a bunch of action for us here. Another Aetherblade Blade agent, an edge familiar, uh, a failed conversion, a portent tracker, and an edge shows doombringer. wow this is where all the action is. What are we on? Maybe the uh the agent or the portent tracker?
0: I'm actually thinking the edge familiar, if we really want to try to get Karuga companioned.
1: <laughs> i don't think we should i don't think we should
0: uh in that case uh, uh the agent's probably just the better of the cards that are available yeah it us. acts
1: functionally like a removal spell that doesn't cause us to sack our own stuff oh well Shanna sissy's legacy is in the set i didn't know that another invasion of dominaria is pretty cool another well, wow, another frexian sensor very late Frexian uh, another- sensor yeah, uh, nothing really, really going to play here. This is a Serpent Blade Assailant, but and a Dreg Recycler. I'm not liking either of those. We'll just take the uh, the Assailant in case we need the sideboard into a maybe like a grindy matchup that we want to give our stuff Death Touch. Bloodfell Caves is not in our colors, sadly. Uh, Iridescent Blade Master came back around. Rampaging Geoderm came back around. Bonded Herdbeast came back down, but I think we've basically got our deck already. I'll take the Iridescent Blade Master, uh, a two drop we can side in in case we need it against aggro. Right now, we're at 27 cards, three lands. We got to make a cut, and it's not going to be Yargo and Multani. So, listener, don't even think about it. <laughs> All right. Down to pack three, pick 10 here. Nothing really. I mean, another Frexian Sensor. I- I'm going to start drafting so these. We can't allow that. I feel so like that card's undervalued right now. It. it seems like. I mean, it's a three-mana 3-3 three, three that makes your opponent's stuff enter tapped. Those that maybe got to play with the, uh, the three-drop Thalia in, in uh, Shadows Remastered, you got to experience how good having your opponent's stuff come in tapped is. Well, Converter Beast, I don't hate that, but I don't think it's quite as good as our Tangled Skyline package. I'm looking at Wildwood Escort a little suspiciously as maybe one of our cuts here. We have such good stuff to do at the top end, including Yargle and Multani in eighteen six. Oh my gosh.
0: We needed the fling guy. I guess I could. Oh, yeah.
1: right. oh, I would have taken it. Look, there's no cowards on this podcast. Uh we got a mirrored and avenged, a tenured oil caster, uh, eh, another Phyrexian sensor. Uh I'll take a mirrored and avenged. Maybe we sideboarded it in against something. Can't really so imagine what the, How how much do we like Hirobi here? Because I'm I'm very skeptical about Herobi in this deck. I'm actually pretty okay with it. It's a format of four four flyer. And you can, in most games, we just took a couple of picks at the end there. In most games, you can be pretty happy to hold your kill spell up and just slam with a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four flyer every turn until your opponent deals with it. Because if they don't deal with it, you're going to win the game in like three turns anyway. Uh, if they do deal with it, then boom, your kill spells are back online. Uh, and most of our kill spells are still fine. Like, six mana, make them sack a thing. Like, it's, it's not the worst. Oh no, it's destroy. Uh oh, and this is whenever. So oh, wait a minute. I didn't realize that this turns it on for your opponent, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is interesting.
0: It's an interesting card to sideboard in against like a red-white beatdown deck that has a bunch of pump spells because they, they can't yeah, yeah, really pump any of their stuff. Um, yeah, it it definitely brings in some interesting play patterns. I saw um Reed Duke actually drafted this card, and he drafted the black um. Tandem, I can't remember what the full card is called, but it's basically it says up to two target creatures you control get plus one plus O, and some that some other nonsense. Oh uh, yeah, and, the uncommon targets, bite spell. Right. Well, it's up to two target creatures. So he cast it. His opponent had Herobi on the battlefield. He cast uh-huh. it, uh, targeted none of his stuff,
1: and then targeted the <laughs> and it Killed the Herobi. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So I I guess. Huh, yeah, this is a very interesting card. I, I guess opponent looks at their hand, sees that they have any spell that targets anything and immediately casts it on Hirobi, right?
0: Typically so I it would turns on that to be the play pattern, yeah.
1: So it it turns some of their maybe like kill spell or it turns their pump spells or uh even well, I mean it
0: turns it turns anything that targets anything into a removal spell. So if if not the biggest threat you have, and they can yeah, have something I, they I can guess target that's any of your other stuff, they can, yeah, turn non-removal spells into removal spells. But
1: Yeah, that could maybe let them kill. But then again, a lot of my stuff has good ETB abilities, or like, what are they going to do? Kill my Karuga after I drew 15 cards off of it? I guess killing Xena and Damone would, would suck, but uh, no, I honestly don't hate this. Uh, I kind of want to try it. I think most people in this set are looking to play these. I mean, look, just how many cards do we have that target that aren't already kill spells? Basically none, right? That is true. We just have yeah, to be very careful like about play patterns it. specifically around the cosmic hunger.
0: We only do have the one of those, but that's a card that is a removal spell that targets our own stuff. So we definitely need to keep an eye out for that. Uh because that's not a may or an up to. Like you have to target one of your own things, but that's not yeah, the that's only true awkward,
1: I think, in this in this deck. It is a four mana four-four flyer. Like your opponent can only withstand that for so long before they have yep. to eventually point one of their uh, quote-unquote kill spells at it. I think I'd like to try it out. Uh, we do need one cut though. Again, I'm looking at this Wildwood Escort a little suspiciously because we do have that Unsealed Necropolis. I don't think we want both of those in the deck. I, I think we'd probably rather cut the big mana one, the Wildwood Escort, because I mean, we've got a, a pretty solid top end. We've got a bunch of really strong six drops. This is definitely a 17 lander. Uh, we do have some ramp and we have some ways to use our mana early in Blade Agent, which you can usually hit your fourth land drop playing 17 lands. Uh, so you always have the option to maybe activate this, start getting in to draw some cards. Uh, also the bright reaper, reaper Thalad flips early as well. Same with the, uh, well, Herbology and Starcher takes a little more time. Yeah, no, I, I like this deck. Uh, we even have the War Historians to maybe chip in at the invasion of Lorwyn. Uh, just otherwise a solid body. I mean, this is just a good black, green, splashing Xena. Uh, Xena and Demone and looking at this cut, I don't think it's Xena and Demone. Like this card seems very strong. It's and Dina. Yeah. Uh, what, what's our creature count at? Uh, we're currently at 14, but remember we have two tangled skylines, so it's right. kind of like 16 creatures and uh, 16. eight non-creatures.
0: And well, the blighted burgeoning also incubates. So yeah, I, uh, could, I guess the wildwood escort's fine.
1: All right, so running up our curve, we've got two Aether Blade Agents. That's the uh, one one death touch that flips. Blight Reaper Thalid, the 2-2 two, two fungus that flips. Cosmic Hunger, that good bite spell. Herbology Instructor, the quote-unquote ravenous chupacabra. Important Tracker for Mana Zach's favorite card in the deck, Edge Familiar. Uh, Unsealed the Necropolis. Vanquish the Weak. Blighted Burgeoning. Two copies of War Historian and a Zimone and Dina in the three-drop slot. Four-drops, we've got this Nizumi Freeler, Freewheeler. I don't know if there was an option for me to pick up a white land that was adjacent to our colors at any point. If there was, I guess that was a, t- a punt not picking it up, but this one flips for, there were for a good value a couple of A deadly derision, which actually could help us uh, ramp into these big things. I love deadly derision, by the way. Played one of my deck over the weekend. It was instrumental in helping me splash. There's a Hirobi Death's Whale, which we'll see how that one goes. Uh, it's the type of card I'd like to test out early in the format to know whether it's a trap or not. Two copies of Tangled Skyline, which functionally makes a 5-5 five, five reach. Uh, Karuga the Macro Sage, which is going to draw us a lot of cards. Oh, I really like this with the Tangled Skyline. Because of the way Skyline works, it's like a creature that sticks on the battlefield with this uh, permanent Frexians you, Frex you control of reach effect. That's going to help um, ensure that Karuga has, you know, big uh, value things that, that are on the battlefield. Karuga says, uh, whenever you... When it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with mana value 3 or greater. So having a Tangled Skyline that the opponent probably can't remove will be great. Up at the 6-drop slot, we've got two copies of Merciless Repurposing. We've got Invasion of Lorwin as our only battle, it looks like. And then we've got a Yargle and Multani, which again, we're going to figure out if it's good or not. I mean, how much better is an 18-6 than a 10-6, you know? Probably not very. <laughs> That remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know. This this is a a pretty solid deck. Like I'm perfectly happy starting off with what looks like a nice black green mid range deck.
0: Yeah. I mean, it does definitely seems like a solid little, little deck here and well, not that little. I mean, our curve is pretty high and it's going to (laughs) do this is a big boy. Pretty bonkers stuff. Yeah. But uh, I'm interested. I I would, I would be interested to um, redraft this, you know, maybe I don't remember if actually 17 lands allows you to do that or if they had talked about doing it, but um, that would be pretty cool to go through and at mm. the seat. Cause I think there were actually this deck, which, which worked out nicely for us. I think we were, we were in a good seat for this deck, but I think there was also potentially a blue white deck and also potentially a black red deck that we could have moved into. I'm not sure exactly when we would have done so, but, um, mm-hmm. I think that seat could have supported either of those three decks. So I, I would be curious to redraft this and see what that looked like.
1: Yeah, I bet it might look like a black white deck to be honest. I mean, just seeing all those Frexian uh, sensors going past, and some of those other good. Uh, True, there was the four drop that ETs to make a two two. Even we picked up a Daxos basically for free. And that's a solid card on its own. Yeah, maybe there was maybe there was yep. some sort of white deck in the seat, but honestly, I think this draft went significantly better than our last several. <laughs> so, uh, unlike our last several, which I managed to uh, barely crawl my way to a winning record, I think this one I'm probably going to go o three right.
0: Yeah, almost certainly just because that's how things work. Also ironic that uh, this was the more cohesive of our more recent live drafts and we first picked a three-colored card.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, once you start getting into three or more colors, it almost opens you back up again. I could have been any two-color pair in the Grixis combination and it just so happened that black-green was relatively open.
0: Yep. Well, good stuff. That basically does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Check out, uh, if you're not watching or listening to this on Spotify, where you can watch the video version of this podcast right in the Spotify app. Uh, check out our YouTube channel where you, this will be posted as well. So you can follow along with the video for the draft and um, jump in the discord. If you haven't already Check that out, we would love to see your trophy decks. We'd love to see your what's the picks and any other cool shenanigans you happen to get up to in this set. If you want to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft And you can find us on Twitter at draft pod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week.
1: Okay, so I have a, a controversial story to tell the listener, and I'd like to hear both your take on this and the listener's take. So I was at to dinner with some friends, uh, one of whom I hadn't really met before, uh, just kind of like through through mutual people, uh, and this guy was there. And at the end of the night, you know, we were all like getting boxes, getting ready to go. And this guy has a Honestly, mostly not touched plate of food. Uh, he, he had some of it. He just wasn't hungry, whatever. The point doesn't really matter. Uh, when the waiter asked if he wanted the box, he said, oh, no, um, I'm good. I don't eat leftovers. What's your take on that?
0: Uh, well, I'm, my initial reaction is I'm kind of baffled. <laughs> um.
1: So were we. <laughs>
0: Like, there are so many other things that you can do with that than with that situation than just say, I don't eat leftovers. Like, box it up and give it to some homeless person, or I don't know, start a composting bin, or <laughs> like give it to a friend or give it to anybody else at the table. I, I don't know. Like, that seems like such a waste of food that we globally waste so much of. Uh, also, who doesn't eat yeah. leftovers?
1: <laughs> <laughs> So presumably, you know, you go to dinner, you order something that you like, you know, something that you want to eat. Uh, in this case, I think it was like fajitas or something. Um, yeah, something like that. But I, I just thought this was the funniest scenario, you know, just like just conceptually, because a lot of it like, was basically fresh. So, yeah, you might not have even felt that bad or weird about giving it to like uh, some sort of, of, of pantry because like this was basically untouched fresh food. Um I don't know that this, this one really was a head scratcher. Uh, I'd like to hear some discourse about this in the random channel. Uh, what is your take listener on this? First of all, do you not eat leftovers? And if so, why? I'd, I'm genuinely very curious to hear some reasoning behind this.
0: Yeah, I think especially like I, I could see not taking leftovers or a box or whatever. If you had like a few bites left or something like, okay, fine. Yeah, sure. Throw it out. Yeah. But when it's like mostly a full plate of food, And it it does sort of depend on the type of food. I mean, like certain things don't hold up the next day. Yeah, that's true. Like others do. So I guess that kind of makes. But like fajitas, that's a perfectly fine. Like you can even just like scrape all the stuff off of like the tortillas or whatever you're eating them out of. Yeah, and make like a burrito bowl later, or use other fresh tortillas the next day. I don't know. That is a little bit baffling.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, very excited to see the discourse that this one starts.